This is the Sexual Alchemy Podcast for men who want to discover and embrace profound confidence, intimacy, pleasure, and connection. I'm Rebecca Lowry, and I invite you to explore who you really are as a confident, sexual, and sensual man. Whether you're dealing with specific sexual issues or you just know there's more to it than you've experienced so far, this is a safe space for you to learn, grow, and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Hello, welcome to the Sexual Alchemy podcast. I've got a doozy of an episode for you today. I have the magnificent Fidel Bohill coming on. He's known as the modern man coach and the kingmaker, and he'll tell you a little bit more about himself just shortly. Fidel is actually the first person to come on the podcast twice. He came on, I think it was right around the 28th or 9th episode, somewhere around then. We had an amazing talk. I've known Fidel for a good few years. He's a life and relationship coach for men, and he helps them through divorce, breakups, and midlife crises. And he has a Facebook group and several paid groups that he runs and a number one best-selling book about divorce, and he's all kinds of awesome. And there was a particular subject that I wanted to tackle. We talk about it at the beginning of the episode, so I'll, I'll let you find out all about it there. But I, I tried to do it on my own, and it was just too big a topic. I felt too emotive about it, too biased, and I knew that it was something that had so much nuance to it that it would be much better shared with you in a conversation. And I knew that Fidel and I had similar enough perspectives on this to have a really good chat, but that he also would bring some uh, thoughts and perspective and nuance that maybe I didn't have. And we ended up having what I thought was a fucking brilliant chat. Really awesome. So I explain everything and why I got in touch with him and invited him on and everything. And he'll tell you a bit more about himself. So let's get stuck in, shall we? Fidel, I am delighted to have you here. We have so many conversations to have. (laughs) Uh-huh. We do. Welcome. What, what, what are we on? This is number four or something, isn't it? Oh, no, I think it is. I've been on yours twice. You're the first person to come on mine twice. And you were the first person to come on mine twice as well. So really? yeah, some good conversation. Yeah, we did. Oh, I've got a doozy for you today. But before we go there, tell us about you. So my name is Fidel Bohill. I've got a couple of AKAs now. Yeah. I need to get a smooth flow into to what it is. So I'm also known as the Modern Man Coach. I'm the founder of the Modern Man Coach Academy and the Modern Man Movement. I'm also known as the Kingmaker, which is my little personal brand. I'm a masculinity coach, really. I'm a life and relationship coach for, for men, helping them step into their masculine energy in a real positive way and showing them how to build that relationship with that part of who they are and how to, to interact with women and the feminine energy and and the feminine in the world from a masculine perspective. That's that's kind of what I do. Best-selling author of Divorce, A Modern Man's Guide, which I'm going into a studio to record for Audible next week. I'm really excited about this. Honestly, I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm excited to get it on Audible and get it out to more guys. But yeah, that, that's, that's me. That is awesome. And actually, so I'm going to tell a story in a minute of what I invited you on here to talk about. But at some point, whether it's today or not, 
I would love to have a conversation with you around the masculine and feminine terms and how they're used. And that may happen today, but I want to focus on something else first, if you don't mind. Yeah. So let me tell the story to people who don't know. Well, look, you invited me on here to have a chat about incels, right? Right. That red pill kind of movement. And then we decided that you weren't feeling it as much anymore. So what happened? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So as I was saying to you before we hit record, so you've already heard this little bit, but I'm going to shorten it. A few weeks ago, incel stuff started showing up on my, in my TikTok. And for people who don't know, incel is short for involuntary celibate. And there's a kind of movement of kind of misogynistic flavored rhetoric and discussions going on. It's been out there for years and years and years. So it's not new. I've just never wanted to address it or really focus on it. It wasn't relevant to my audience for a long time. And so I kind of didn't do anything about it. And like I said to you, you know, you, we can't fix everything. You know, I don't focus on saving the dolphins either. However, in the last few weeks, more of this flavored stuff started showing up in my social media, mostly TikTok, but a few other places as well. And I thought, okay, I feel a, a, almost a responsibility as somebody who works only with men to talk about it. And I thought, I tried to record a podcast talking about it myself, just a solo episode, Mm. and I couldn't do it. I I couldn't do it because I feel quite emotional around it. I feel that it's very nuanced. Yep. And I feel it's better in conversation. And you immediately popped to mind. And I was, and in that moment, I didn't even think about it. In that moment, I messaged you and said, hey, let's do this. You said, awesome. And then yesterday, I think it was, I or maybe the day before, but I started getting antsy about it. And I think there's a few reasons. I think because it actually, it really triggers some deep sadness in me, some deep, deep, like I'm almost going to cry not even talking about it. So it, it, it really upsets me a lot that if I'm really honest with you, and this is going to sound super fucking woo woo. Yeah. I've been doing this work for like 10,000 years. 10,000 fucking lifetimes. And here I am in 2022. And it's the same, you know, it's the same. Those, the witch hunters are still here kind of feeling. And so it, it really, I'm probably going to cry when we talk about this because I, so I find it upset. Another reason I couldn't record it on my own. And I know one of the aims that I'd like, and I didn't say this to you before, but I think you'll be on board with it is instead of calling them out, and making them wrong. I don't want to do that. For sure. I want to call them in. And, and that's where we're definitely on the same page. I don't know whether you saw, I did a little live the other day about the Andrew Tate phenomenon, yeah. who is probably the reason for like a, a rising, a, a very recent rising of this material being so abundant on. There's a few others. I mean, Jordan Peterson's the incel king, isn't he? He, he is, but Andrew Tate is now the uh, he was like the top Googled person in the yeah. world. Suddenly. I know, suddenly. But there's so much disturbing information about him as well. And I I think what, what concerns me, where I'd like to try and dig around is, so that there's all these men, and mostly young men, I think, being heavily influenced by this rhetoric, by people talking mm-hmm. like this. What can you and I, as people who work with men do to offer a different narrative yeah so that's my entire purpose almost right same and like in my head I don't talk about it that much but certainly my the concept of separate but not divided which is 
like the modern man movement and and the soon to come modern woman movement is about men and women being able to work separately on their own specific stuff and their masculinity and their femininity and stuff and their own sexuality and their own ways of, of being, but with the goal of benefiting each other. So doing separate work, benefiting themselves with the overriding goal of bringing everything back together again, right? As opposed to what the red pill and the men going their own way and a lot of the feminine and female feminist movement is about, is about us versus them, right? This combative approach that is seen on both sides. I don't even like using that word, but that is what it comes down to. There are there are sides, whether they're conscious or not. And I see a lot of it, especially in the in the women's work world, that a lot of people, a lot of women preach that they're not that, but they are. You can feel that anti-masculine, anti-male undertone with a lot of the work that's going on there. Likewise with the male stuff, right? They'll protest that they're not anti-women, but you can feel it. You know, you can feel it. So I can, I feel it on both sides. And so my whole, everything is about shredding that middle path of being pro-masculinity, pro-man, without being anti-feminine, without being anti-women. Anti so can I ask you about something? And this is a genuine question. I really don't mean it provocatively. I really don't. Like I'm almost going to cry. So in your... And I'm really curious, in your teaching men about masculinity, why are you not also teaching them to explore and own and embody their femininity? Great question. And I feel it a lot. And I, I certainly feel it from people like yourself. And I'll explain it really quickly. It's quite simple, really, because I think stage one is getting connected to your masculinity. There's enough men out there that haven't done that fully first. And I think that's the most important element because we're all on the on that spectrum, that masculine feminine spectrum. I, I heard a theory a few years ago that I'm still, that just felt true to me. And maybe I've got uh, that cognitive bias where I'm seeking it out to be true, but I don't feel like it. I'm, I'm searching for it to be untrue, but it still feels true to me through all of my work from what I'm seeing. And that is that women move up and down that spectrum a lot more throughout their lifetimes, dependent on their external situation and what work they're doing internally, right? Whereas men seem to be born with their position on that. And they go, mm, I can see you. I know, <laughs> I know. Because and I'll tell you why it feels true to me. I look at the guys I went to school with, right? And some of those guys had beards at 10, right? And they were just like that. And I look at them now at nearly at, in our mid forties and they're still, like, they're still there's that element of mass like predominantly, it's not saying they don't have feminine in them. Of course they do, and they'll have their moments. But their position doesn't seem to have moved. Likewise, there were some very camp kids, including myself sometimes, right? Um, <laughs> who were like in 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 that, that point of feminine. And I look at them now in their 40s, and they're still the same. They're, that polaric energy doesn't seem to have moved with people that I've known for their entire lifetime, my family and friends. I look around me. Whereas the women I know... Mm. I've definitely, I've, I look back at different periods of their life and they've moved up and down. So here's, here's, here's my point. And, and it's not necessarily the case that I don't work on men and their femininity. I do. I don't market that and I don't talk about it outwards because my thing is about meeting guys where they are, right? Mm. And so where they are for me is not feeling connected to their masculinity in a positive way. And so for me, if as a man, you would tend to have more certainly the guys I want to work with more masculine energy than feminine and because you are man right connecting with that part like 
thinking and feeling positively about that part of who you are, which is a man, right? <laughs> is It's just so important because what I've found is that with modern men and nice guys, like there's this unconscious underlying feeling that we've got to be opposite to masculine, like in our specifically to our generation as well, that masculine is toxic, that masculine is overbearing, it's bullying. And a yeah. lot of us who grew up in the in the kind of height of feminism, a lot of us grew up more than has ever been brought up by single mums, quite often who've been hurt, been through divorces and stuff like that. And as a generation, there's a load of us guys who've grown up being mothered by women who were hurt by men. And some consciously, but most unconsciously, imparted that little bit on us when we were kids. Mm-hmm. We don't need no man. All men are bastards, basically. That vibe. Yep. So there's a lot yep. of us that have grown up with that shame, that guilt, that repression of anything that could be feel like masculinity and have edged towards doing things and being more feminine, which I think is causing damage to the world. There's some helpful bits, but generally men, if they're doing it unconsciously, don't actually do feminine very well, right? They can, we can do it well if we do it consciously. But I don't think women who do masculine unconsciously do it very well men who do feminine unconsciously are usually that toxic element right we're manipul- we can be manipulative bitchy all of that that kind of murky bit so that's the reason really i think stage one is get real comfortable proud confident positive about being a man in this world and what all of those beautiful powerful masculine traits are let's do that Right. And then we can start to look at, okay, let's balance this out a little bit with what it does to be in the moment, to to feel the feelings, to manage our emotions in that masculine container as well. Because that's the other thing, right? Masculine for me provides the container and then the feminine provides the energy within it. So let's set the container first and then look at what, what we can fill it with. I really appreciate that. That explains a lot. I feel like so much there, and we may or may not come back to incels. <laughs> this is a whole other conversation. I mean, that was no, only th- the no, this is fucking awesome. Of course, of course. So for me, I feel like you know a lot of men who are similar to you say, as you say, uh, that have put away some of their natural urges, whether that's just to be straight up or whether that's just to speak their truth without having to, right? You know put something around it or whether that's showing up and say, Correct. you know, instead of saying, Oh, I want to make sweet love to you being able to say, I want to fuck, fuck you. Right. Yeah. You and, know, and, I mean, sexuality is really the pointy end of it. Right. Yeah. The amount <laughs> of guys that I work with and that I'm sure that you work with that don't even know how to initiate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've got all that. And I get just, all that. God, the shame that comes around male sexuality. And even if you think about male sexuality where, and this may, this probably doesn't feel true to a lot of women, but it, absolutely feels true to a lot of men is that female sexuality is now celebrated quite a lot is it yeah you see lots of women go is it lots of men will go yeah so it's it's the way you approach it with that we all see it through our own lens right and whether something is true or not is kind of irrelevant only all that matters is whether how we all feel your perception yeah yeah right so a lot of men perceive it, including myself, we feel we've grown up with women being able to talk about that, you know, like there's nothing wrong with a woman talking about their sex toys, right? The dildos, everybody knows women have got the drawer and whatever. And there's a lot of like, I saw some a very well-respected coach talk, laughing about her suitcase vibrating and turned out to be a toothbrush, et cetera, et cetera. Now, could you imagine me talking about my 
male sex toy. So let's male sex. There aren't even that many, right? I went on a, a big YouTube TV show. We were talking about um, one of my favorite things. I need to. It's, it's gone off at the moment. Where it was it's a show for middle-aged black people talking about sexuality which just doesn't get talked about so it's a brilliant show and i was mm, on the panel that's the that. whole thing and um we did a show on sex toys right and i went out and bought myself i bought a fleshlight right mm-hmm. so that i could demonstrate it and i could talk about it with some knowledge and experience but even buying it i still feel a little bit embar- like embarrassed and a bit shameful and it's a bit yucky there's something a bit seedy about it yet I actually own a whole bag full of female sex toys, right? From my partner and stuff like that, you know? And it's like, yeah, this is all fun. And I feel no shame about it. And neither does she. And like all of the women I know are just like, no, the guys, what we've what we got blow up dolls and latex things you slide into. Yeah, yeah. right. And even it, right? They all feel a little bit sorted. So we're coming from that bit where there's been this female sexual revolution and liberation, but male sexuality is still what are we flashes put your dick away do you know what i mean like don't take photographs of it oh but women let's see photographs that we our boobs are beautiful body positivity and everything else like that and we're still being told to keep it in our pan listen nobody well, wants to take dick pics i'm, I'm talking about how it feels <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. this is true yeah. Or not. yeah yeah just talking about how it feels to the majority of the like middle-aged male population it still feels like we're being kind of shamed and i did a little post yesterday about some guys in a, a group <laughs> one of them took a dick pic and said hey guys like i'm just about to send this to my girlfriend she's asked for it long distance and they were like yeah great great picture mate oh and, he, and he's saying no oh, do, do you think the lighting makes my balls look weird and they're like no the balls are the best bit this is a really funny conversation yeah and it's like it just wouldn't happen in real life, right? It was almost a very feminine conversation about, the, the, you know, about what women would do, the, the kind of the way that they were supporting him in in this. The reality of that is it it, it probably would happen in one of my groups if one of them actually in did one it. of your groups for sure. It probably, it probably would, you know, there'd be a bit of banter as there always is, guys. And again, guys really struggle with talking about sexuality without making it funny. But I and I, yeah. but I think again, that's part of the societal stuff, right? Yeah, it is. Like male sexuality to be laughed at, willies are to be giggled at. You know, they're funny. They should be kept in your pants. You know, like they're for doing naughty things with and and this and that. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like everything we're saying is true that someone's experienced that, and the, and there's so much more, isn't there? I mean, you know. I want to take all that in because there's about 47 different tangents we could go down. And one of them I wanted to say was about male sexuality and even this and the term masculine, it all comes together is I think, you know, I've used the word masculine in my work. I used to have on my website, the term empowered masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you that you have to meet your, your clients who you work with for both of us, that's men where they are. And if those men feel like they're trying to figure out who they are as a man, then the term masculinity is probably a good flashing neon sign or they know something about that. I guess for me, I took it off my website and maybe I'll put it back. Uh, but I took it off because I feel like, and I know this is your work too. You mm. just are good at using the language that guys understand. And I don't want to use, I, I feel so reluctant to, is because for me, it's not about masculine and feminine or being a man or being a woman. It's being who you are underneath all of that you know the 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 gendered stuff the very men are supposed to be masculine and women are supposed to be feminine is a tool of oppression you know it was brought in by white supremacy in the late 1800s 
that's not what it was historically. That's not what it is in tantric sutras. You know, it's it's not ain't it's not how it was. Masculine and feminine are points to qualities that all humans have in different quantities and in different flow. And the idea of yes, well, the the idea of the personal development, self-awareness stuff is how they marry in you, how they dance in you. Some people will display naturally more what we consider masculine traits, regardless of what genitals they have between their legs and who they like to sleep with. So I think we're agreeing. I guess we what do. I'm saying is no matter how much of that you display or where you are on that spectrum, I think for men to connect with that part positively is really important and i market the word masculinity and stuff like that but actually the guys who are marketing to don't know what that is a lot of the time or they're unsure right and they we get that bypassing thing of oh man is whatever i want it to be kind of thing and i just think whoa 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 whoa, whoa. yeah kind of but you really do like that exploration is important and I think there's permission giving in it. You know, years and years ago, when I was beginning to hang out in queer communities, mm. I didn't understand at that time why people were labeling themselves. You know, like I'm a, a bisexual, femme, vegetarian, da, 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 or whatever. You know, they all, everyone has their labels. And for me, that felt really limiting. I'm I was like, nervous. don't give me a fucking label. Like I was like really. But what I was told and educated on was, hey, we had to fight to be seen. Yeah. And these labels helped me feel seen. I really like labels. And I'm so, a big fan of them. Because they, yeah. if nothing else, they enable conversation, right? Yeah. I am not a fan of labels for don't. myself. I like really not ever. Like to the point when I was a teen. Do you think and- being an anti-labelist is a label? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it is. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like at our core, we are everything. And I want to have the capacity to be all of that. I, I, I Listen, I got, I, this is, this is, I just want to get this bit out because as much as I get it, and I think that that would probably have been my initial starting point, but what I seem to have picked up over the years and one of the things I see that is causing a problem and this is where i this is a this is a conversation i would really like to have probably in private because what i'm about to say might be triggering is that the word i don't know it might be seen as being divisive or something but it's really not i'm coming from a good place that one of the things i understand is the paradox of choice right and when what i've seen and i've really I've watched my daughter grow up in their generation right that literally in the western world they can have anything just abundance of just all of this stuff And actually what I'm seeing is how unhappy it's making them, right? So that paradox of choice, once you go beyond a certain point of being able to choose these things, right, you actually have FOMO, right? Because if you pick one, all your your brain does, like this is a psychological process. We're almost designed to feel FOMO. If we pick one thing, we can't stop thinking about all the other things, right, that we haven't picked, okay? So if you go into lunch and you're like, oh, and you see somebody else and you get food envy, right? Or, or what have you. And what I can't help but thinking is that in some ways, as on a societal level, I, I agree on a, there's a difference between people and a person, right? Yeah. A personal journey and how we approach these things on a societal level. And I can't help but think that if we approach these conversations at a societal level with the option that you can be, do, feel, have whatever you want, what we end up doing is creating more 
unhappiness, more dysfunction, more thing. I think in some ways, humans are, are actually quite a lot happier when we've been given some rules and some containers or some labels where we go, do you know what? At the very least, I know I'm a man, right? At least yes. I know I'm a man. Now I'm watching the kids and they're like, you don't have to be a man or a woman. You can be whatever you feel like being. And I'm watching them going, huh? it's most basic thing of us as a human, this way of differentiating ourselves or assigning ourselves or, or, or finding our identity. It's most core. We had race and gender, right? I am a black man, right? And then I became, well, am I a black man? And then again, I'm a mixed race man. What does that mean, right? And even that, for me, is a huge question and debate that has raged on throughout my life, caused lots of confusion and at times unhappiness, right? I cannot even begin to think if I then had to double that up as to whether I was a man or not, right? Yeah. And people go through that all the time, obviously. And actually, you think I'm really that are... grateful that I don't have to do that. And I think right. that nobody ever even put that question into my head when I was when I was going through puberty, because I think that God knows where I would have ended up. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that w- when you're talking about the societal, it's too much to have everything at your disposal. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, that would that would be you'd, we'd float off into space and not be able to focus on our life. So right, for but me, that's what's happening at the moment, right? So this is actually... Well, this is I think people are missing the point then because uh, so I'm not seeing that. But what I feel like is... Th- and I think you and I do this both in our work just in different ways is the whole point is who are you? Who are you? What is your... What a massive question. Like nobody... Ever, I think people can live to 100 and not actually come out because for right. a start, we're constantly evolving and changing. Yes. So the answer is always shifting, right? Yeah. And I think oh, you can spend your life kind of banging your head against a brick wall with but I still think there's core stuff that can still be changed for sure but like there's like I have been what's the word I want um oh there's a word my partner calls me um scrappy (laughs) (laughs) my whole life that hasn't changed (sighs) I have learned that there's a time and place for it but it's still pretty core to my nature you know and so I feel like there's a core. Who are we at our core? And so for the modern man, that it's roughly, you know, our age, I mean, a bit older than you, but, you know, roughly our age, a couple of decades there, is who is he at his core? And to get really comfortable there, owning that and expressing that in the world, basically, because that, so for your guys and for my guys, is what does it mean to be a man? Maybe what does it mean to be black or white or mixed or something else? And how do I express myself sexually truthfully? So if a guy likes, you know, being submissive or pegging or stuff that gets him teased for to actually know that's okay, that's still, you're still a man, you know? And so basically what's, what's the core of you? And if of that core, what is mutable and what's not, you know? And when and this is the answer, I think, that we started with hours ago yeah. <laughs> at how to call incels in. And I don't even like that label, but I'm just using it for conversation. Anyone who doesn't know themselves well is gullible, right? It's, is basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, listen, the biggest thing, like I said, I did the live about the Andrew Tate phenomenon who seems to have brought this con- this whole conversation to the fore again. There's a couple of specific dangerous parts about that element one of which is 
about 90% of what the rhetoric is, is pretty true, has value. In what way? So, so they, they will take, let's use Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson, right? Let's take the, the two big dogs of, of that of the incel community yeah. who both do it in very, very different ways, right? But they're both very prominent and, and who both could very easily and do, not only them, but their followers would disagree that they're even part of that community. Right. Right? Anyway, let's go with that as truth for now. And Andrew Tate, especially, he talks a lot, he, t- he talks a lot about the kind of the 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 devaluation of of masculinity and of of men in at, at the moment which it, which is what men feel again whether it's true or not is neither here nor there but a lot of guys feel that that is the case and so and there's a good argument for it and you can build on quite a lot of factual stuff to pad it out so it can look and feel true a bit like Jordan Peterson does as well right there's some stuff that feels really true to a lot of people a lot of people who aren't down that rabbit hole yet, a lot of normal, everyday kind of people. It feels true to them, right? And they're challenging society with a little bit of, let's go back and pick some of this stuff because it was better back then than it is now. And it's modern more. For the oppressor, but yes. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, who's, <laughs> who was saying that to me the other day? Someone was saying it. I'm like, you know what? The only real people... I saw someone... Talking about snowflakes, that old conversation about uh, snowflake kids in the seventies. It was a little meme that was put up. Kids in this, kids in the kids in the seventies, and it was this meme of somebody. He'll probably be listening to this podcast actually when I share it. So you know who you are. I didn't come on your post and challenge you because you're my mate. I didn't want. And also, I was having a great great day that day, and I didn't want to get involved with the conversation. Anyway, kid, nose bleeding. Uh, what's what's up? I've just been in a fight. Don't tell mum. Kid in the in twenty twenty two. Oh my God, um, somebody on the internet upset me. Let me tell my daddies, right? And there was just, there's just so many things wrong with that meme. It's unbelievable. Like so much stuff. And then it was full of people going, oh yeah, things are so much better in the 70s than they are now, basically. And I'm like, listen, only straight white men thought it was better in the 70s. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Only straight white men think the 70s were better. It was only better for them people. And now, because people are saying you can't be sexist and racist and homophobic anymore, things are a little bit worse for you guys, right? But for the rest of us, they're a whole lot better. This is what it boils down to. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) actually, I want to take that opportunity to just say to people who are listening that you and I are very much talking about heterosexual men. For sure. Whatever that means. Heterosexual men, whatever that means. Yeah, yeah, I kind of gave up doing the little caveats on my social media posts. And I think some people get upset, including members of my own family, because they think I'm pigeonholing or whatever, or being an anti everything else. And it's just so far from the truth. But if I have to put a little caveat on everything yeah. I post, I'm not about the work I do and the things I speak about are just speaking directly from what it's like to be me, right? Right. I don't feel educated or in a position to be speaking on behalf of LGBTQ plus population, right? Or and trans and everything. Like, I don't, how am I going to stand up? And... But your group is inclusive of LGBTQ and trans, isn't it? You're like your modern man group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have a few trans guys in there. And we have a lot of gay guys in there for, 
for sure. But I guess so. I guess it's identifying as a man. So my group is for that. But my coaching work is generally with heterosexuality, especially as I'm moving more into relationship stuff, which is seems to be my groove at the moment. I'm really enjoying that relationship between men and women. I think that was always going to be my end point. But because I talk about that stuff, does not mean that I'm an anti anything else. It just yeah, means yeah. I'm qualified to. I'm not qualified really to talk on it apart from from my perspective, which may or may not be useful or interesting for anybody that no 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 I th- and I think that's great and I only like to clarify because I feel like like the, yeah. m- most of the men that I work with yeah are mostly heterosexual in fact they're mostly straight white men yes I do and have worked with everyone you know and I've worked you know recently worked with a few gay men and trans men and you know yeah so I mean I've worked with a lesbian couple I've worked with quite a few gay guys but that, that's not yeah, but the, our conversation, I, I guess I wanted to point out, is aimed at very hetero... Hetero men. Yeah, situation. And because incels tend to be... Ooh, yeah. Heterose- well, <laughs> I think they wishing, are. <laughs> wanting to be heterosexual. Or presenting yeah. as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because perhaps there are quite a few guys in that community who are probably something... I, I'm sure Andrew Tate is gay. I'm, is he right? <laughs> I'm sure he is. Like, like right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I didn't even like saying his name. It feels it, to me almost the same as saying like Hitler or Trump. But, but you here's, know, the, very... here's the problem with what he's done is is, is that like I was saying before, if you that the stuff that's on the surface at the moment for him is his really most provocative, horrific, polarizing anti-women stuff. But actually, if you've been fo- if if you if you dig below that and like it's fairly it's either fairly recent or it was pretty sporadic before. Actually, underneath it, what he's built his reputation is is a lot of is a lot some different stuff, and it's a bit like Jordan Peterson where he is a bit more philosophical than that. You know, there is a whole lot of other stuff that he talks about. Not everything he spits out is vile and anti-women and sexist and misogynistic. It's really not. It genuinely isn't. And and what I was saying on my video about him in the post, because then I've got a lot of guys coming on defending him, going, most of what he says is powerful. It's really true. It's really helped me. I've even got one of my ex-clients or a guy that's been involved, I've always been a a little bit worried about, was like, oh, he's helped me and his organization have helped me. And there are guys that are working in there that are normal, working, hardworking guys with wives and kids, and they're not into any of that. They're not players. They're not these things. And all all they're about is helping disenfranchised young men like me to have a better life and so they do enough of this stuff so that his followers can justify following him so there is 90 percent of his stuff is good but but that five percent is the bit that underpins it and that five percent is the dangerous part and jordan peterson is the absolute master in one talk he'll talk for an hour and 50 minutes of that will be do you know what I mean? Like beautifully articulated, very wide. Do you know what I mean? Like well, no, no, this, that, and the other. But there's an undertone to it that's the dangerous part. What's well, to me? That's the whole thing with both of them. It's to me, it's like saying, oh, you know, this guy Bob, he's really great. Most of the stuff he says is really awesome. He's really helped me. I mean, he does have a white hood at home. You know, he does have a Nazi symbol at home. For sure. I mean, you know, that's the problem. Is like your Nazis and your and your KKK when they're not doing Nazi KKK stuff with just your guy down the grocery store, weren't they? They were nice to some people. Yeah, but here's the big, the biggest problem is that that stuff resonates with enough people at the moment 
And so let's talk about that. Why? Why does it? And I think it's the stuff that we've been saying that generations, maybe from years down, of men feel, and this is really interesting to me, they feel like they're losing power, mm-hmm. which they are because power is being more evenly distributed. Yep. And and this is the thing, again, we'll move back to that thing, was we can look at stuff at a societal level, and society is very different to individual. Yes. Right? It's like using that word privilege, which I totally get. Like, you say privilege to a working class white guy, and he's just like, what bloody privilege have I got? And we can explain it to them to their blue in the face, but he's not feeling it. Yeah. And if he doesn't feel it, we need to understand and respect that. And rather than wagging a finger and shouting at him louder, we realize that what that's doing is driving him further away from the conversation. You make a really good point. I read an article a few years ago that was, I can't remember who wrote it, unfortunately, but somebody was saying, if you take a poor white man in America who lives in a trailer and has bust his nuts all his life to have enough to eat and talk to him about privilege, he's not going to understand or resonate with you at all. Right. You know, and if you say, mate, your privilege is you have white skin. So everything bad that's happened to you wasn't because of that. Right. He will not understand because his experience is that life has been really hard and kicked him in the nuts. So if you could, if you and I could get hold of him and say, listen, mate, I really understand life's been hard. Let's scoop you up and heal you and patch you up and let me hear what you've got to say and let me talk to you instead of making him wrong and making him feel worse just for being who he is because he doesn't understand. Correct. Then we can start to heal things. So that was a massive learn for me right at the beginning of this journey was a real learn for me because, and I even lost. So when the Black Lives Matter thing blew up a couple of years ago and I came out and spoke about it, I didn't even say anything remotely. All I did was speak on my experiences as a mixed race man growing up. And I lost hundreds of followers and hundreds really? of guys left the modern man club just because I spoke about it. White guys or everybody? And they felt that just by speaking about it, and we've had it recently with Anthony Joshua being called out. And I'm like, the only reason why everybody's hating on him who because of his, because Anthony Joshua, heavyweight boxing champion. No. Right. <laughs> he spoke out during Black Lives Matter, and then he recently had a little public meltdown after a fight he lost. But he took the microphone and was a bit. He was a dick. But people have not forgotten that he spoke during Black Lives Matter, and people are like, yeah, we're, he, we hate him now. He's not a hero. We, we don't follow him. And it's Is like, he black? Well, a minute. He's black. Yeah, Nigerian, yeah. English, and. um you look at Tyson Fury, misogynistic, and and he's come out with all this horrible stuff, very public meltdown, taking loads of cocaine, all, like did all this stuff, and everybody's forgiven him, mental health. Issues. It's so interesting, this guy isn't it? Had one little thing, but everybody's like, and I see it in the conversation. None of them really want to address it, but enough people have. There's even a guy on my thread who said, yeah, 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 he's not this nice guy, he's not a champion, we don't like him. And he wrote at the bottom of it something to do, and he's been like this anti white stuff. Black Lives Matter. And then he edited his comment and deleted that bit. But I saw it. Mm. And I was like, there it is. There it mm. is. That's why you guys aren't letting this go and you're happy to kick him now he's that, right? Because of that one comment he made. And so it starts from a psychological perspective, right? And how comfortable people are willing to be victims, especially in the current climate, right? It's almost like the victim Olympics out here. <laughs> it is. Everybody from all the different communities, Black people, white people, working class people, poor people, even rich people, are now like trying to claim some sort of victim status. The reality of being a billionaire. I saw a program about it. Oh, oh God, it really? Right? Seriously. Nobody will love me properly because I've got all this money. Right, because I've got that. all this money. Right? I've seen Everybody that. Everybody yeah. wants to have a sub story 
everybody wants to have it. So it's like the victim Olympics. So we're creating a culture where everybody wants to feel a little bit hard done by it. And that's come, and it is, right? It's lovely to be a victim, isn't it? Sometimes that little victim mode place. It's really comfortable. It's not my love, fault that all this stuff happened. Right? Total abdication of responsibility. All of that juicy, lovely, fluffy stuff we can wrap ourselves up in, right? Abdication of responsibility. All of this uncomfortable adulting over there. All little scoff, squishy place here. Sympathy, sympathy. Look at where is me. So middle-aged white guys want to jump in on that as well, right? Like everybody else. They're like, well, how come you look all going to get sympathy and I'm not having any? My life is hard, right? Mm. I've worked hard. I haven't think. I've been divorced. I'm not seeing my kids. I like all of this stuff. I'm not having sex as much as I should do. In I can get an erection. I get an Right? All of this stuff. And that's where they're coming from. Yeah. And so you have to give people in that state, the thing is to, to telling them that they're being victims or you're being, you're, 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 you're victimizing Stop yourself. Stop being you're a victim. Yeah, doesn't yeah, do right? anything, does doesn't it? Work, yeah. Right? Sometimes you have to go, oh, come here, man. Let me give you a hug. Right, right. Let me love you a little bit, right? And then let me show you what's good in your life first. Yes. And Fidel, I think this has been what I wanted to point to. I'm getting teary now the whole time. Whether someone's an absolute raging incel or whatever they've gone through in their life or whatever, everybody is hurting right now. Everybody in some way, you know, take away all the I've got this and I've got that. Underneath, everyone feels, I mean, the human wound is I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. No matter how you were raised, no matter how much money there was or wasn't, no matter whether your parents were decent to you or not, everyone's got that human wound. And underneath, I think there's that that victim place feels good because you're hoping to get some love, which is ultimately, I think, what everyone needs, a little bit of love. A little bit which of love. brings me back to this calling in place. You know, I've found a, a level of love and care and compassion and tolerance in me that I didn't used to have. You know, I was saying about being scrappy. I'd fight anybody about anything <laughs> that I thought was right, you know, whereas now I can listen a bit more. They all deserve it as well, you know, that part of that them, love. That small part of everybody. Yeah, that that deserves it. And it doesn't matter what they're coming out with, the, the stuff that might, be especially triggering for you or me right mm-hmm. that's kind of on us to manage to a certain extent with our boundaries you know and that, that balances the tightrope right that's right and you know here's the thing i saw this stuff coming up more like i say especially in tiktok and at first i was like well i don't want to look at that and so i didn't look at it and then i was like okay look i work with men this world is has been hard for everyone recently in some way or other, you know, like, let me look at it a little bit. Let me, what if I look through eyes of compassion at what's going on here? You know, I struggled, honestly, I struggled to find compassion for Andrew Tate. I mean, he's wanted on 11 counts of sexual assault. That's why he moved to Romania. You know, like I, that is what, you know, were you talking about? You have to care up to your boundary. I could, like, I keep thinking, could I work with him? Could I be the one that would open his eyes to a new way of being? Honestly, if I was paid enough money and he was committed to the work, yeah, I'd work with him. And I'll tell you why. I'd rather he do the work than not do the work. Like, for example, my partner sometimes, I mean, I don't always know who he works with, but when he was starting, I did because he was putting out things on Facebook. People in my sphere were getting in touch with him. People that I was maybe triggered by. And he would say, would you rather they were doing some work on themselves or would you rather they fell into other camps? And I was like, yeah, you're right. I would much rather work with people, whatever their background. I would love to work with Andrew Tate. Now, I'm just putting that out there. I would love to work with him. He's, he's, I'd like him to work with you first. And then I... <laughs> yeah, he's almost an ideal client for, mm. for sure. 
because that's so fascinating. And then I've got this weird thing going up because everybody's posting pictures of him at the moment and I look really quite like him. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Like, at first glance, we're the same colour, same hair, little beardy thing. Like, we, we've got fairly you similar can... If I you look though things, at his pictures, there are lots of pictures of him wearing crowns and stuff like that as well. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like, I see these. Pictures. But like, you can see the pain in him if you actually look oh, at oh, it. Without doubt, without doubt, that man is in so much pain. Without you know? doubt, I want to give him a hug, man. Like, yeah, you know? he needs to come back into his body. You know, he's anyway. I... There's a lot of other guys in my sphere who are who back him. You know, and I find that conversation is a lot more difficult to have i'm like i feel quite disappointed with other coaches not seeing through it and there's this thing that keeps getting said about him that he is there's no fronting from him is what they're saying like he is speaking his truth he tells it like it is and and here's the scary part and this is why a lot of masculinity guys and male coaches are kind of backing him because that seemed to be a very masculine trait that be who you whoever you are to do it unashamedly and say it and like Andrew Tate in like represents that to a lot of them and they're like whoa look at him and and this is why this stuff is so powerful for so many of these guys because they see a guy just saying whatever he wants without caring so what he's tapping into is this repression Mm. right of men who have spent their entire lives not saying what they wanted to say and now we get to step into a victim mode by going, I'm not allowed to say what I want to say. I've never understood this. Oh, we're not allowed to say that. Like literally who, right. by who, like what are the repercussions? Who is your authority? Yeah. Who right? is the authority no, over oh, you? Oh, no, no, no. We're not allowed to say that anymore. Like, like by, by who? <laughs> yeah. I would say though, but where is it coming from in you? Like, can you own that it's your repressed voice that needs to say some shit? Or can you, you know, or is it really you? Because, I mean, to go back to my thing, if we all have everything, you know, there's light work, there's shadow work, and there's dark work, right? Dark work is owning that we all have a murderer in us. We all have a misogynist in us. We all have a misandrist in us. You know, we all have the potential for it. Right, it, the potential. Humans are really good at it, man. We get it. We can do it. <laughs> well, it's like if you, if you. I mean, this is really fucking edgy work because it's beyond shadow work. But like, if you can go in and own those really despicable aspects of yourself and make enough peace with them that they don't run the show, then you can speak your truth. Otherwise, what looks like your truth may actually be conditioning, may actually be the repressed stuff, may actually, it's unbalanced, you know. I know you got to start somewhere as well. Mostly, like it is, I believe, for Andrew Tate, is about validation, notoriety, recognition. Which is all ego. For without doubt. And I see that a lot. And social media is a really funny playground for all of those things. I'll speak about you. I'm allowed to have my opinion. Yeah. I tell you one other bit I want to bring in before we wrap this all up somehow. Which is there's somebody, I don't even know his name, but I know he purports to be a coach to men. I see him on TikTok and he says, I don't allow my wife to set boundaries with me because setting boundaries is masculine. Dude. So there's a there's a there's a a particular group on Facebook, and I've encountered them guys from Canada who have set up this cult on polarity relationship teaching. And it's so black and white and it's so 
immovable and restrictive but there are people lapping it up because you know what people want to put a label on it people want to be given a simple system right and some rules because this is and this is where I, where we started this conversation where the abundance of choice is actually making people less happy so if we take that choice away this is why these groups and these teachers are becoming successful because people actually want to get in a box they want a container they want some rules they don't want to have to make all of the decisions all of the time all of themselves and a multitude of options right so they want to be given systems right be like this and you will get that yeah but there's some good things to that like a human it's really natural for a human to want like we function better when we have on the whole most of us function better and are more productive and more and happier when we have some framework to work with it yeah and everyone wants to belong even if it's one called anarchy right right yes yeah yeah Okay, so I just want to, between us then, to wrap it up, say a few things that anyone listening to this hears that would help them find their own path instead of maybe some of those more dangerous paths. I wrote down a few things. I will say them and you can say, what do you think of them or add your own? One I would say is cultivating self-awareness. Know who you are. Who are you? And that's a lifelong journey. So that's why I say cultivate it. Always be exploring and examining. I have a very simple system that I take all my clients through on a one-to-one and and, uh, quite a few of my programs. And that's values, vision, goals. So uh, it's shifting, right? And those give you a movable feast, but they allow you to to have an anchor in the moment. So your values are in its very simplest form, what is most important to you, right? What's important to you? Clear and compelling long-term vision of the future. Where do you want to be in 10 years' time? Like all ideals, no holes barred, tapping into what your deepest wants, needs, and desires are. What does that life look like for you? And then reverse engineering it as to how you're going to get there. By doing those three things and creating those three quite practical steps, you will get to know a lot about yourself and the truth about, again, what's important to you, what you really want out of life, and what is and isn't doable for you and what you like to do, what are, are, are tantalizing goals and ways you want to spend your time. You'll, you'll quite quickly realize that. So going through that little process can be very useful for finding out who you are in the moment at this present time in your life and in a, in a uh, practical way. Yeah. And I'm going to leave it there because I could add loads of things into it, but I think that sums it up nicely enough that that's it. What's meaningful to you and what kind of life do you want to live? And how do you get there? Uh-huh. And there's nuances to all of that, of course. For sure. But, when you go um, through that, all sorts of stuff will bring right. and spike up. That will that's a whole other podcast. Juicy things, some juicy things to work on, for sure. But that's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Fidel, I'm so grateful to you because obviously this conversation is not something I could hold on my own because I would only come across with my own perspective, my own biases, my own triggers. And I didn't think that was helpful for anyone at all. It wasn't even helpful for me. It was was causing me (laughs) harm trying to do it. You know, seriously, I tried. Um, So I'm so grateful. Ladies and gentlemen, is self-awareness in action. Well, and I'm just grateful that you said yes and that we said that was just fucking awesome. And I'm sure there's more conversation to be had. So we, we got to call it quits for now. I'm grateful um, for you so to keep giving me these platforms and for uh, these conversations are good. Maybe we should just set up a whole other podcast, which is just me and you, Chad. I would be up for that. We will talk post clicking right. the stop record button. Um, <laughs> and just to say to everyone, we're going to put all the links to you, your website, your social media, all that will be in the show notes so they can all find you with ease. Okay. Speak soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. 
If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.